0: listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here is your host, Jeff Harding.
1: What's shaking, everyone? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to Episode 24, Life of the World to Come. We are several months now into figuring out and executing ministry in a COVID-19 world. And if there's one thing that is more crucial than ever to have right now, it is collaboration. Uh, I talked with my buddy Zach a little while ago on the podcast about that. And we need to be able to help each other uh, figure out how to do ministry well uh, in not just the current season, but the ongoing changing landscape of youth ministry with technology, culture, and certainly uh, everything being rocked and impacted uh, by this pandemic. My guest today uh, will help me talk a lot about that. Uh, She is Crystal Chang with Orange Students, and uh, we talk about how to help one another In ministry, what Orange is doing right now to help youth ministry workers. And Crystal also gives us a little preview of her talk uh, coming up uh, this Thursday and Friday at YMX. It's the Youth Ministry Exchange Conference. Uh, We will also talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, But I encourage you to go online and sign up for that conference. It's $150. It is totally worth it. Uh, there's more info about it on my website, youthministrymaverick.com. Uh, but right now, let's hop into that conversation with Crystal. Crystal, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. Uh, if you could, could you give us a little intro about who you are and what you're currently up to?
0: Sure thing. So, my name is Crystal Chang. I live in Atlanta. And, um, like everybody who says they live in Atlanta, I live somewhere almost. Half an hour outside the yeah, city. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: But I, uh, I work in a youth ministry organization called Orange, and we create resources for youth pastors for everything from programming to how to partner with parents and how to train small group leaders. It's sort of uh, events and curriculum and, and all of that good stuff, which is a blast.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you again for hopping on. And uh, listeners, as I mentioned in the intro, Uh, We'll be talking about how the youth ministry collaborative universe can unite uh, for everyone's benefit in this new pandemic world. Uh, My very first guest, uh, Mike, and I spoke about our initial thoughts when all this kind of started and how we could move forward trying to do ministry well. Uh, But now we're six plus months in, things are as fluid as ever, and no one really knows how the timeline of the cultural and social elements of all this will play out. And with Youth Ministry Exchange coming up later this week, uh, which is the online National Youth Workers Convention Change-Up event that's, been, that's being led by several organizations, namely Orange Students. Uh, it's the ministerial elephant in the room, if you will, that everyone will have in mind. How do we um, collaborate and move forward together in ministry in a COVID world? Uh, so, Crystal, you've been working with Orange uh, and students Uh, for a while now. So let's start off by asking, how have you as a youth worker um, been doing since COVID hit? And how has everyone at Orange reacted and adjusted the sales in this new direction of ministry?
0: Well, I mean, just personally, like this has been super weird. Mm -hmm. And outside of the Orange world, I've been leading a group of teenage girls for the last four years Oh, wow. and have been dreaming about what their last semester would be and what walking yeah. them into college and what graduation would be like. And none of that looked like what we thought it was going to look like. Um, and so I've just, like every youth worker in the world, have been Googling and Facebooking and calling people and going, hey, what are what are you doing with your seniors? What are you doing to get through summer? What are you doing when their last 30 days of youth group are online. Like, what does that look like for you? So I love that you mentioned collaboration because for me, it's been more important than I think it's ever been. Um, In fact, now my girls just started their freshman year in college and um, I've been literally collaborating with youth workers in those towns, which has been really fun um, and reaching out and getting to know some of them and saying, Hey, here's my girl's phone number. Will you take care of her? Will you look out for her? And, and they've all been so awesome about it. So personally, it my own youth work has looked a little bit different. Um, and P.S., I was a germaphobe before this. <laughs> I got Clorox wipes on a plane before this.
1: You have so been this, prepared then.
0: This has put us all into like next level oh anxiety. My. Oh, my. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and then you, you may or may not have seen this, but early on in our sort of pandemic uh, experience, one of our team members got COVID and it was really, really serious. Stuart Hall yeah, on our yeah. team and it was a, a very much near-death experience for him. Right. And so um, on the orange side of things, I think it, it made us all kind of take it very seriously and, and look at each other closely and say, hey, how are we going to keep each other safe? So we are, we're definitely not in the office, that's for sure. Um, but then you also asked, how have we like? How have we adjusted the sales? And I'm really grateful um, that we were able to adjust some sales very quickly and some over time. One of the kind of beauties of being a nonprofit industry is there are no investors to satisfy, so you yeah. can just as long as as you're wise and you keep the lights on, you can adjust and change and um, serve your partners the best way that you can and so in the early months of COVID when everybody suddenly was online sometimes with like a week's notice our church partners were online and trying to figure that out very quickly we just gave away just months and months of curriculum we made everything free the curriculum was free the videos were free everything was free um, and, and kind of kept it that way as long as it was sustainable and then in July began to transition back to um, like everybody else realizing this is a longer Stent than we thought it was going to be. We are mm-hmm. in this situation a lot longer than uh, any of us imagined. So how can we start to create new things and serve others? And so um, we've collaborated with a number of our churches and kind of one of, the, one of the awful but neat things about this time is every church is a startup. Like There are no experts in this arena. <laughs> Nobody's been here before everybody's a startup and trying something new. So we called all of our friends who are startups and said, Hey, what are you doing that works? How can we help? What do you need that you don't have? Um, And we've started to offer what we call digital and home group options. And basically what we've learned is some churches are able to meet in large group like normal with their students and have, you know, two or 300 kids in a room even, but that's not common. And more often students are meeting in backyards and in like designated parking spaces and sort of groups and they're meeting in cul-de-sacs and they're meeting in home groups and so we've adjusted some of our content to make it easier to facilitate that. Um, We learned pretty early on that students have a very limited capacity for watching a 15-minute teaching video (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs)
0: because we're all screened out a little bit and so we've made some adjustments to that process to make it easier um, anticipating the fact that like some of our home groups even will eventually have to go back online in the winter and, and may come back out. And so uh, we've made a few adjustments to the content just to try to do as much as we can to make it easier and to give options um, because it looks so different town to town and that it looks different in those towns from month to month. We were laughing just last week because we were trying to work on the Christmas party, like for for youth groups, and going, "What is Christmas party going to look like?" For no some, joke. it's this big in person. We call it the "Let It Glow" event. It's all neon lights, and for some, that's a drive-through event, and for some, that is an entirely happening on Zoom event. And so, mostly for us, it's meant like rethinking everything and going, "Hey, how do we?" How do we lean into those spaces and create content that works in all of them? Um, the other thing that's kind of come out of this that I've enjoyed a lot is we have a team of orange specialists who are are literally like just ministry coaches and consultants who are on our staff. Um, and they have been hosting strategy sessions and roundtable events every week and just getting youth workers together and saying, hey, we're going to talk about partnering with parents during a pandemic or we're going to talk about small church hacks when you're struggling with um, high speed internet availability and they're having different youth workers come to the table. Some of the youth workers keep coming to the table and they meet their friends and now they're in relationship collaborating. And so that's also been a really beautiful thing that has come out of this. Um, and similar to that, maybe my favorite thing like you mentioned is, is YMX, the youth ministry exchange. We, um, we did a, an event, similar to this as an experiment maybe two years ago. And I'm so glad we experimented then um, because it was it was based around this idea of what if we were able to just get youth workers around a table to collaborate together. And it wasn't so much about experts on a stage as it was about let's all sit down and figure out practically what this looks like together. Um, and during that, that event, the collaboration around tables was incredible. And over and over and over, I've had conversations with youth pastors who keep telling me, like, that was their favorite event, that that was the thing that they walked away with relationships, and they walked away with practical steps that they were going to do in their ministry, and they loved it. Um, So to be able to bring that back in a digital way and say, hey, this is is not about experts on a stage saying we all have it figured out, because we would be lying, (laughs) because nobody's got it figured out. But this is about... um, people have been doing youth ministry in all kinds of contexts for a long time, getting around a table and saying, Hey, how are you doing it and what works for you and how am I doing it and what works for me and how can we work on this together? So I'm, I'm beyond excited about this one.
1: Yeah, I love that. I, I think, um, it's very interesting to hear you talk about how Orange and probably other youth ministry organizations have had to realize that even though, um, they see themselves and they should as experts in some area with a lot of experience, a lot of resources, a lot of content that even big organizations have had to say, Hey, what are you guys doing? Because they need help over here. We're not quite sure how to help them. Maybe you can help us. And by helping us, you help them. And then you see, as you mentioned, you see um, other youth pastors and workers getting together and collaborating. And, I think that is an element of youth ministry that maybe it's been downplayed and not hyped and used enough because, you know, there are capitalistic needs. People need to be funding. People need to say, hey, we have this content, so please buy from us. But overall, when anyone who's working with students can come together and work and it's beneficial for everyone. Man, that is what our students need the body of Christ to do who are leading them and investing in them. And I love the selflessness that you talked about with, hey, and the humility of saying, you know, we don't quite know how to do this. So we need to brainstorm, we need to give away things for free and really make sure everyone's taken care of. Yeah, we'll keep the lights on and make sure people can feed their families, but we need to make sure that our students are taken care of so they're, so they're leaders need to be equipped by us and not have to sweat. I need to pay for this camera so I can have a Zoom youth group. So I don't have the money to pay for Orange. Well, here, here, take this content. So I love the way that you set that up. And one thing that I'm really um, encouraged about and excited about with YMX is the description of those breakouts and live Q&A sessions and really getting to um, hopefully talk to other youth workers who are attending online as well as the speakers and the breakouts and everything like that, because that, that kind of collaboration is really neat and and really needed. Um, One of the things that I've been doing, uh, I had an episode about it um, a while back is seven years ago now, um, I started a mini youth group co-op, if you will, with some local churches. Um, One that I worked at in seminary and then a few others who are in the area And for the last seven years, we've done a minimum of two, even three events all together with all our youth groups. Um, It's been a retreat, it's been a mission trip, it's been a big youth Olympic Games, a flaming baby trophy. That's another story. (laughs) Um, Oh, dear. (laughs) um, And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to do that. And really, the, the past two years or so, we've really tried to focus in on caring for each other as, uh, as youth workers and pastors and saying, Hey, how are you doing? You know, are you in the verge of burnout? Um, how are you doing with your volunteers? And then especially since March, um, Hey man, how's, how's it been going? You know, um, a few weeks ago, we just started doing in-person small groups for the first time. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was a lot of fun but it was almost kind of hesitant like uh and something that was so normal and we took for granted in the past is now this novel i'm not i'm not sure it's safe but it's it's really exciting thing just to be in person and yeah uh, you are totally right when you say that us uh and as the american church but certainly us in in youth ministry in the western world we've never faced anything like this before. You know, we weren't around during the flu pandemic, you know, during World War One or whatever. Like we weren't there to experience that. And um, one thing I talked about with, with Mike um, on my first main uh, episode was how would the church have handled this when we were students? You know, and we're talking about trying to pay extra to have a three or four way call on the phone <laughs> that has a cord on your landline or just getting a a camping chair and going and sitting in your driveway, you know, or, you know, that that's, you know, all that kind of stuff, especially when it was quarantine and you couldn't leave your house, it would be phone calls, maybe a postcard and that's it. And, you know, it's, I'm really glad that we have screens and and technology, but um, yeah, that, that, that's one interesting thing I've found personally in ministry is, you know, when our students are together, you can't pull them away from their phones. It's like another <laughs> limb. Um, but two days into quarantine, I had a few parents of students tell me that their students were already done. They're like, I, I can't, I'm like, I'm, I'm already missing in-person stuff. And so it was an easy home run Um, analogy for me to draw to and saying we are designed for more than this screen interaction and now you are realizing it the hard way and this is going to be a long time right and back then I was thinking hopefully by the end of August right kind of like everyone else now I really hope I'm wrong but now I'd be surprised if things are somewhat back to normal and open a meeting by next fall I would love it if it was, but, you know, you have to think about what's the uh, vaccine situation look like yeah. and are, are people comfortable with going out and what are schools going to look like. And so it's really important now more than ever that we collaborate. We yeah. humble ourselves and say, how can we help you? How can you teach me? How can we help each other just kind of move forward in this in this new world? You know, and I don't want to make it doom and gloom, but but and there are exciting things happening. People are still hearing the gospel. Kids are still coming to Christ. Kids are being discipled and that's great. But I think as leaders, we have to take inventory of how is this weighing on us, right? Which is kind of why I asked, you know, how are you as a youth leader? And then how are you as a employee of a youth ministry organization doing? Because you can be great at home or with your students, but then when you go to work, you go somewhere else, like it might hit you in a different way. And it's like, oh, right. And so we have to kind of take inventory of how, All this is affecting us because the more it affects us, you know, and we, and we don't realize it or don't, don't do anything about it. The more in bad ways, probably it'll affect our students because we're Mm -hmm. using that to teach them. Right. So,
0: well, and that's such an important point. I mean, I feel like so many of us are talking about when this goes back to normal and when we're back to normal and what we mean is when our world is back to normal, Mm -hmm. but when all things are back to in person we still have to manage what happened to us and what happened in our students. Like,
1: Absolutely. I, even
0: if our world goes back to everything as it was before, we as humans will not go back. Um, you can't disrupt somebody's world for as long as ours has been d- disrupted and expect them to not be affected when that changes back. And so as youth leaders, like you said, we've got to begin to collaborate and say things like, what are you seeing in your students and how, Are you addressing sort of the fallout from all this, good and bad? Mm -hmm. How are you utilizing the things that have become benefits to us? And how are you serving them in the things that have become hard to us?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Well, uh, like we just mentioned, um, it feels like we've been talking about having Zoom fatigue for Mm -hmm. for a while now, probably a a few months in, right? Uh, But online interaction is still vital uh, and it's important for us to do it well. And I know you all have been working hard to make YMX as best an experience as possible. Uh, I also know that, unfortunately, there are probably some who are are listening, but others in the youth ministry world who have written it off as just another online meeting that they don't have the time or the mental capacity for. Um, So, Crystal, as an Orange employee and speaker for YMX, uh, how would you encourage youth workers who are on the fence about signing up for it or perhaps have decided that they don't want to do it?
0: Well, I would say screen fatigue is very, very real. And I know from my own experience, screen fatigue is also selective Mm. because I know what it's like to spend all day on Zoom calls and think, I just, I am done. My brain is done. My eyes are done. And then to walk downstairs and to spend a, another two hours watching Bravo reality
1: shows. Right. Oh, you nailed it. That's right. That's right.
0: A, a whole other screen. A bigger. I go from a smaller screen to a bigger screen, saying I have screen fatigue, and it's not. It's not that we don't actually have screen fatigue. Our eyes, our eyes, really do get tired. But we are a bit selective in the kinds of screens we enjoy, and um, I find myself asking the question probably every youth worker does do I really enjoy this? And is this really helpful for me? Mm. Because we all know what it's like to sit in a zoom meeting that is not really helpful and not really enjoyable. (laughs) And we we tend to get a little more fatigued. And so I would encourage every youth worker that yes, while it is on a screen, this is going to be incredibly fun. We, we actually had the chance to do some live events earlier in the spring. We had orange conference and had about, 16,000 of our friends join us on screens. And so many were like, that was so much more authentic and fun than I thought it was going to be. So I would encourage youth workers, Hey, this is going to be fun. It's going to be enjoyable for you. Um, There are some, some quirks and some surprises happening that we're super excited about. And maybe more importantly, this is going to be really helpful Um, because we know, you know, this even at a live event, The gold and the magic of a live event is not what gets said on stage. The gold and the magic of the live event is the conversation you have in the lobby about what you heard on stage with somebody who's doing that in your area, somebody who's doing that on your team, somebody who's doing that in the same age group as you're doing it, the same demographic. It's the application of the gold nuggets you hear, not the the stage time itself. And so that's one of the ways that I think this event really is kind of unique is we get to do that together. We get to have those um, personal interactions and smaller, smaller, smaller groups um, and talk to each other about not just what somebody said on a stage, but what is happening in my town and with my elder board and with my senior pastor and with the parents in my community. And so for that reason, I would say, it is helpful enough that it is worth showing up to. Um, And then the other thing is this, I learned this at uh, when we did Orange Conference online. I have a a group text of some youth pastors that we just stay in touch. And um, I I sort of didn't pay attention to group texts during Orange Conference because we were running a conference and it was really wild and really fast, and things were happening quickly. And I came back after 48 hours and there were a thousand messages in that group text from 20 people. It had been buzzing. And I afterwards kind of followed up with some of my friends in the group and they said, Crystal, this was the first time I was able to attend an event like this and just be a person and not be a professional and not be on because my team was there or on because my boss was there. I was able to just engage with this as a human I had time to process and pray because I was in my living room mm. and I wasn't in an arena I wasn't trying to find a hotel and trying to find food yeah. I was trying to find vision and trying to find Jesus in the middle of this and it was just different not better but it was different because of that and and I think as youth workers we need that we need some time where we're not necessarily engaging with teams and with those that we lead, but we're engaging within ourselves and within um, the Holy Spirit and just going, hey, where are you leading me? And finding time to do that. I think we all need a minute um, to work on what's going on in us and what's going on in our hearts for the ministries that we lead. And I think this might be that minute for a lot of us now on a much less spiritual note, much less spiritual note. (laughs) I did learn recently, and I cannot figure out if it was a podcast or a blog or, or you know TikTok where all my news comes from, um, I did learn that part of the reason we experience Zoom fatigue is our brains were not meant to process what another person was saying and what we look like at the same time.
1: Wow. And now our, our
0: brains are doing dual. Fi- I wish I could find it. If one of your listeners finds it, if you'd like email or DM me and tell yes. me who said that, I would love to give them credit. But it makes such sense. Our brains, when we see ourselves, are constantly monitoring. How's my expression? What do I look like? I keep finding myself looking at a Zoom camera going, oh, girl, it might be time <laughs> to think about Botox. <laughs> like, what is happening here? And it causes us to mentally do double duty. And so I've been experimenting in meetings of my own, just turning the camera off and engaging with the other person as I would at a, at a table at a coffee shop versus constantly monitoring myself and monitoring them. And so that's just my my sort of helpful hint of the week. It really has been less stressful um, to turn the camera off in those meetings.
1: Wow. I think about so that. Yeah. They can no. see me,
0: but I can't see me, which is glorious.
1: <laughs> I should figure that out because yeah, you are totally right. I think everyone to a degree, you know, because we are we are selfish and we're vain and and we want to make sure that that we look good, but but also You know, I love that element how you talked about. I could attend a big professional conference that benefits me, but not have to engage it like a professional. Mentally, I'm engaging with it, but I'm also not worrying about my team or food or other things because I'm at home in my living room. I feel comfortable. And it's almost like a perfect blend of being relaxed and watching a TV show or a movie, but it's beneficial information it's like a it's like a very vivid interactive documentary if you will right um where (laughs) you can really engage well but not have to freak out about having only a limited amount of time to write it down or to remember it or to talk because you can pause you can do all kinds of stuff you can go back and rewatch it um lots of things. And yeah, I really like that. And I hope that, you know, from that experience, people got the Orange Conference. Hopefully people can adopt that uh, when they sign up for and uh, online show up for uh, YMX, uh, because that that's a really great approach. And, you know, I, I love that um, you guys are doing a whole lot working with Download Youth Ministry and Youth Specialties and Fuller Youth Institute and a whole bunch of others to really make this a great experience. And Um, Youth workers need some love, right? Uh, We need some encouragement. We need some uh, ideas and we need to be able to laugh, to take a break, to not take ourselves seriously, which includes not worrying about how we look, right? Um, And being able to just really soak in personally what we need to make sure our walk is where it should be, but also to make sure if we're well, that means we can really engage And teach and guide our students well. That's really good. Um, Do you want to give a little preview or a a tease of what you'll be talking about at YMX?
0: Sure. I am talking about my absolute favorite subject, which is small group leading and volunteering in churches. And that's the role where I serve right now. So I care a whole lot about it. Um, And just like youth pastors are in a whole new world volunteers are in a whole new world. And so we're talking about what is what does it look like to redefine the role of a small group leader and what, in what ways do we need to empower our volunteers to step into a pastoral role uh, when we can't and in what ways do we need to uh, resource them so that they're well-trained and, and kind of ready to lead students and lead families in this world while figuring out this world for themselves and their own personal lives as well. So um, reimagining the role of a small group leader is one that I am just super excited about.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that later this week. Um, so I personally have used pieces of XP3 curriculum in my own ministry. And the philosophy of Orange uh, and what Reggie Joyner continues to speak about uh, is more important than ever. The home needs to be a place where discipleship and a gospel-centered, a gospel-driven life is championed. And the church should continue partnering well with parents and families by equipping them while providing solid curriculum programming experiences and relationships uh, that really personify iron sharpening iron. Uh, as As it's obvious now, more than it's ever been probably, no one person, group, or organization can comprehensively disciple a teenager. Uh, I often tell my parents that my number one uh, point on my job description, I wrote it in, is is to equip and encourage you. And then everything else with students comes right below that. Um, Because I did, um, I'm terrible at math awful at math, but I was able to do some very simple math and and figure out uh, hours wise, how long are my students, if they come to every service, if they come to every youth event, every mission trip, every camp, all that, how long are they actually here in my care where I can see them, our leaders can engage with them, and how often are they not? And I figured out that in the six to seven years they're here in the youth ministry, hours wise, they are really only here about five to six months. Mm -hmm. So that is not a long time. And I use that point to emphasize to parents when I meet with them and their students, when they're coming into youth ministry for that reason. And of course, because of scripture, Deuteronomy six and others, I cannot be the one to spiritually raise your child. That is your job. And my main job is to help you do that. So, what you're talking about at home, what you're doing at home, I can emphasize and help you build on while your students are here, right? And yes, there are things that I can provide through programming and everything else that maybe you can't necessarily do at home. But all of the formative parenting and talks and growing and discussion that you know needs to be the main thing, and I want to help make sure that it's happening well. Uh, so, anything I can do to help you please let me know because that's my main job. Um, And the church is the body of Christ. You know, as we've been talking about collaboration, working together, we are designed for community. And when you're designed for community, that means that we are also designed to be dependent both on God and each other. Um, So Crystal, how can youth workers, parents, and students uh, take advantage of the products and the content that you guys are creating over at Orange right now?
0: Well, listen. I love that five to six month number you mentioned because I think, I think you're spot on. I, in fact, our research looked at it on a yearly level and determined that um, the average youth ministry will see the will see a kid a maximum of forty hours a year, and that is and that's assuming they're going to miss some weeks. We're going to miss some weeks, and there that includes camp, that includes retreats, that's everything we got. 40 hours and their parent has 3000 waking outside school hours with them. Mm. We can't even pretend like we are somehow going to out influence a parent. But what we can do is partner with those parents and give them the tools that they need and encourage them. And so before we even get into like, you know, orange and products and all those things, um, there is a website and an app called the parent Q C U E. And it is so Good. I think it's one of the most underutilized um, things at Orange. The app is wildly downloaded, but a lot of people don't realize that there is also a website behind it that has conversation guides like, how do I talk to my teenager about just the sheer amount of technology use? And how do I talk to my teenager when I discover that they're watching porn? Like, there's no manual for those conversations. And so this actually does offer a bunch of communication guides, a bunch of activities that families can do together that um, their teenager won't roll their eyes at them, which is kind of a big deal. So I, I love the Parent Q resource because like you said, if their primary job is going to be to disciple their child. Our primary job is to help the family do that by providing quality messaging and consistent leaders who are going to walk alongside them for a time but we will never take over the role of a parent. And that's kind of at the heart of what orange is. So if if listeners are new to that and they're like, Hey, why is your company called a color? Um, I get that a lot. (laughs) It's super simple. It's red represents the heart of the family. Yellow represents the light of the church. And we just believe that when those two work together, they accomplish more than either could on their own. So we want the church and the home to work together. And part of that is helping church leaders, Um, with their weekly programming. Because what I learned, um, I I served in a number of interim youth ministry roles while I was also a full-time educator. Um, And I think a lot of youth ministers are bivocational in that way. Mm -hmm. And what I learned very quickly is it's impossible to pull off everything. Like it just is, no matter how organized you are and how good your volunteer team, programming a youth ministry is a full-time job. And most of us did not get in to, we did not follow a calling on our lives into writing emails and designing sets. We followed a calling on our lives into pastoring people. And ultimately I found myself in this position over and over. And every youth worker I've talked to keeps finding themselves in the position of having to choose each week between taking that call from a parent, between putting a little more energy into, um, leading and discipling the adult volunteers in their ministry having to decide between those people pastoring moments and making sure that Sunday or Wednesday night's program goes off the way it should, that that the supplies get ordered and that the emails go out and then the copies get made and that all those things happen. And so our goal at Orange was never to step in and take over either one of those things, but to do everything we could do take as much off the pastor or the youth workers plate as we can so that they have enough margin to step into the pastoring people roles, because nobody knows your students. Like, you know, them nobody knows your families or your community like you do. And nobody is in a better position to influence the future of those kids and their families, like the youth worker. And the last thing I want a youth worker to do is to be caught up writing their weekly email or making a set design or trying to figure out what game they're playing this week when a family is in crisis or when a family just needs their help. And so um, we create a whole lot of stuff to that end. And I always kind of giggle when we say curriculum because I used to think curriculum and think, oh, somebody writes your talks. And I would say that's probably 1% (laughs) <laughs> of Orange Curriculum is the talk. In fact, we have a whole lot of church partners who say, I really like writing my own talks. And I'm like, that's amazing. Write your own talks. Let us make your videos. Let us write your emails. Let us train your small group leaders. Let us do the set design. Like, Let us uh, create a worship leader guide. Let us create the background playlist of secular songs that will not get you fired. Like, Let us yeah. do all that stuff so that you can write the talk that means the most to the kids in your community or so that you can prepare to lead the talk that means the most to the kids in your community. So that's what we do. Um, the other, the other value that I think is so important at Orange is we believe solid theology is important. And we also believe solid child development practices are important because you can preach the best sermon in the world And if it is not developmentally appropriate for a teenager who looks like an adult, but their brain is still developing into that of an adult, it's still very much in a childlike state. If we don't develop sermons that reach them exactly where they are, they don't take those sermons home with them when they go. They don't take those truths with them when they leave. They can't apply them to their 15-year-old life. And my tendency as a youth worker, um, and particularly as a youth speaker early on, was to preach and teach on things that were helpful to me, things that I was learning, things that were interesting to me in my mid to late 20s. And the truth is my 12, 13, 14 year old, 15, 16 year old students, they didn't need the things that I was learning as an adult. They needed things that a teenager could understand and apply in a teenager's real everyday world. And that's why um, that's why on our team we value having educators. Um, nobody knows how a student's brain works as well as the person who has to teach them what they don't want to learn. (laughs) So if you have had to teach um, history or science, or for me, Spanish verb conjugation to a 15 year old, it just changes the way you understand how their brain works. And so we value having not only theologians on our staff and, and artists and speakers and writers, but we also really value having educators and child psychologists and pediatricians and therapists working with us so that when we provide content to churches they are set up to meet a teenager at exactly where they are and that teenager is set up to apply the truth of the gospel to their lives in exactly that moment and not when they're older
1: yeah oh I love that yes it's it's I think it's something that uh, youth workers but also Parents, um, adults, like whenever they speak to someone younger or someone who who they're teaching, right? Um, whenever I talk to my students about, uh, you know, telling others about your faith or um, leading your peers, right? I love when my uh, older high school students can help lead and do some things with my junior high students, and I tell them, okay, how many of you think that you're an expert, or you're really, really good at at least one, one thing. And everyone raised their hands. And I said, okay, how many of you have tried to teach that to someone else who doesn't know anything about it? Kind of raise their hands. And they, I think they kind of know where I'm going. I'm like, is it really easy to teach that? And they're like, no. And I'm like, why? You're you're an expert. You're really good at it. It's because you have to go back to when you didn't know that and yes. realize, okay, what is it like to take my first steps doing this? Or what is it like to dribble with both hands when I'm only right-handed? Or yes, And you have to walk with them. And that goes for people. I mean, um, a lot of my quiet time, uh, as it were, our time in scripture that I find most helpful and valuable is when I'm preparing the lesson for my students, because man, I'm pulling out things that I didn't realize fully or remember that I was there and yeah, you know, I read it all in seminary and all that kind of stuff, but the word of God is living and active. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that, uh, really help us remain humble, <laughs> especially if we don't want to be, God will humble us quickly. And when we teach others, when we invest in others, um, it's really uh, a time for us to realize how much we don't know. Right. Um, I think in our world overall, uh, in the, in the Christian world, luckily, I still see a lot more examples of it, especially in the youth ministry world, but maybe in the broader world, especially on, you know, online cesspools like Twitter and things like that. Where, <laughs> um, intellectual humility is something that is sorely lacking. Um, I study yes. this, this so I know more and I tell you that you are wrong and all of that. And really, the more that you know, especially... In formal education, the more you should realize how much you don't know. I left seminary with ten thousand more questions than I had going in. Yes, um, and it's really you—you uh, you have the kind of same base of knowledge. What expands is the level of knowledge that you realize that you don't know and will probably never know. And so that's why having collaboration. That's why, yeah, you know, I've been doing this for twenty years, but. I need you to tell me your story. Oh, wow, there are several things in there that I've never tried before, right? And Mm it doesn't mean that you're not intelligent. It means that there's a whole different context, a whole different um, area, a whole different group of students over here that you've never met. And so you don't know how to handle those things. And so it's always a period of growing. It's always a period of transformation as believers, but also as human beings, we're meant to just keep learning, right? We're meant to keep, developing, and hopefully transforming more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, which means being humble, which we don't want to do, especially as individualistic um, Americans, right, who know everything and want to learn everything. And um, yeah, so as as human beings, it's good for us to humble ourselves, but as followers of Jesus, to model for our students is so beneficial for us To not just say the right things and read the right content and verses, but how you live that out, how you respond to conflict and hardship. Those are the things that not just children and families remember more, but your students will remember more. It's like, yeah, we had these lessons and these things that I kind of remember, but when this leader got cancer or when this tragic accident happened, you know, like we dropped everything. And I saw my leaders do this and we went through this. They're going to remember that. And that's what they're going to model for others too, because they will learn that from people who they respect in authority and hopefully youth workers that includes you. Um, So yeah, it's really an overall uh, lifestyle growing experience when we engage in youth ministry, but mainly when we learn uh, and say, I'm not Superman. I'm not Superwoman, I can't do 50 things at once. I can do these three things well. So these five other things I can't do well or don't have time for, I need a company like Orange or like um, other other companies to really come in and help me out because I want to maximize my time with students and families. I don't want to spend 20 hours a week writing emails and sitting in my desk, right? I want to be able to be with my students to model things for them, to live life with them. And yeah, that's why I see you and, and other people doing so yeah I love that I love that you can reflect on that and now say and I've learned and so most of us still need that wake-up call in several ways and 10 years from now we'll all realize that what we're doing now is like oh I should have done that better right? <laughs> that, that, that's part of life that's part of life
0: so, I have only been an expert one time and it was in probably my first two or maybe three weeks as a 22 year old teacher who had never taught students before and who had never taught students outside of suburban north atlanta and let me tell you i knew everything for a solid two or three weeks (laughs) until i realized i didn't know anything (laughs) and i think i might still be there i love i love that term you used intellectual humility i kind of want to take that into into some spaces where we lead students because man if we could lead this next generation to care more about loving their neighbor than winning the argument Mm. i think we would be giving a gift to the kingdom
1: you know that that i think the way you frame that that i think is the issue for this generation in a lot of ways like there are a lot of other things with identity and and sexuality and a lot that yes that will continue to dominate a lot of our conversation but loving your neighbor more than winning an argument man we we are talking with our students now about handling conflict and i asked them you know usually don't think of the right answer usually place yourself in a conflict do you care more about resolving the conflict or being right right and a, a, a few of them did say i really do try and resolve the conflict mainly because i don't like conflict um uh, <laughs> but a lot of them said yeah no i i really want to be right and uh there's uh, a, a teacher uh, that I know, a, a young teacher who uh, recently just started teaching and um, said that it's interesting because you just have some in-person students, not just online, but she said social media is teaching them how to interact with others in person. They will interact with people. And if you were to look at that as an in-person interaction and say, that's weird, like what, what are they doing? they're interacting with someone as they would interact with them online. They don't even realize or know how to properly socially engage with someone because it's been their world and now it's everyone's world. And so they don't they don't have as much time as they should to have in-person situations to model that. And so, yeah, I, I love how you said how Orange really thinks about childhood development. We need to think about how we develop as human beings, especially now, because this is I told our students, this isn't just a, like a weird gap in, in, your, in your life and a weird season. This is going to affect you the rest of your lives. Mm-hmm. And it's affecting younger students for sure. Because junior high and high school, you know, that's where we learn who we are. We answer so many questions about ourselves. And we learn how to do things, how to interact. And yeah, this is really changing things a lot. And so we need to be um, on our heels but knowing that we have people around us to catch us when we inevitably fall on our butt, right? But uh, that we are not alone, but this is an ongoing work that's always changing, always developing, and we need to roll with the punches, attend great conferences like YMX, use awesome content from companies like Orange, and just know that it's better when we're working together. And I think that that's probably the main focus that YMX will hit later this week is man, it's mm-hmm. better when we're together and can depend on each other and move forward, uh, helping each other invest in the next generation. Well, Crystal, this has been a great discussion. Thank you so much. So glad you could join me. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, could you tell us about the places online where people can connect with you and maybe some exciting things that are coming up on the youth ministry resource horizon?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, A couple things that are coming up. One, I just wrote the fastest book chapter of my whole life um, because my friend, I love Mark Ostriker. If you don't know him, go follow him. He is wild. He's also one of the smartest humans I know. And he decided we're going to write a book about how to do youth ministry in this age of disruption. And he invited um, a ton of youth workers to speak into it. And I got the chance to do one of those chapters, and that was a blast. It is out now on Amazon Youth Ministry in this Age of Disruption. Um, the other, the other places where we can find one another, of course, is the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. Um, that's sort of one of my home bases. We can also connect on every platform. I'm at Crystal C Chiang. That's Crystal C C H I A N G. The I is silent. Um, which makes spelling it difficult sometimes. So Crystal C. Chiang on Instagram, crystalcchang.com, we can always connect there. And then just one more thing. I know we talked a lot about Orange and about curriculum. And I, I feel like I would be remiss if we didn't sort of acknowledge the fact that churches are just in a different place um, financially than we have ever been because of disruptions to our attendance and, and sometimes to our giving Youth workers are having to do more with less than they've ever had to do, and are are doing a remarkable job. By the way, um, we could come back for for days on how the youth ministry universe adapted and moved so quickly to serve students. And um, we recognize that that sometimes that's a little harder when you don't have the materials that you need. And so, Orange does scholarships literally for anybody who needs um assistance especially now and the way you you get those is you just reach out to partner support at thinkorange.com. um that's think orange so partner support at thinkorange.com, and and they'll take care of you because our goal is to serve the church our goal is to serve the teenagers and their families in the church and so anything we can do to help with that we want to
1: help with that very cool love that love that uh, well, thank you again for hopping on with me. I'll be praying for you, Crystal, uh, as you speak later this week at YMX. And uh, just as you continue to use your, your influence at Orange and your presence um, with your girls that you've been teaching and how to maximize uh, their high school experience and their youth ministry experience in this uh, new pandemic world that we have. Uh, so thanks again.
0: Thank you.
1: That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Crystal Chang for joining me. Uh, I encourage you to look up her Twitter handle and all of her presence on social media and what they're doing over at Orange Students. Uh, Again, I encourage you to log on to orangestudents.com. Sign up for the Youth Ministry Exchange Conference taking place this Thursday and Friday, October 22nd and 23rd. It is a great value and a great resource for all youth workers. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it and share this episode with anyone who is struggling and needs some encouragement in how to collaborate with others to do great ministry with teenagers. Uh, You can find all of this podcast's information at youthministrymaverick.com, including social media handles and being able to contact me with any questions you have. Uh, I do encourage you to please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Uh, If you do, I will personally send you some limited edition Youth Ministry Maverick stickers that you cannot get anywhere else. So please give us a review, and it'll help uh, boost our influence and availability to others so we can help them do ministry. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, adios.